Hey, I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Parv. And this is China Product. We are two Silicon Valley product managers, and we know how messy it can be. So we're here to talk about the ups and downs of being a PM. It's not always straightforward, but we're here to figure it out together. On today's episode of Trying to Product, Alex, we're going to do something different. I know both of us, you and I, have gotten a lot of questions over the past years around just PM in general from like friends, families, but there are a couple of questions that I feel like I keep hearing quite a lot. And even as we've been doing these episodes, I've heard some of those questions come up from listeners and just in general, like people, you know, coming up to me as I'm part of interview panels or just part of like general conversations. And I thought we would just like walk through some of those questions here on this episode, look at those couple of most popular ones that have come up and just answer them for our audience. Yeah, let's do it. You ready for it? Yeah. So the first question that I get, and I am 100% sure that you get, is the day in the life of a PM. Oh, yeah. This is like a very common interview question, too. And the reality is it varies so much. I think as we talked about in the past is essentially there's maybe like three types of days that you have is like just meetings, like <laughs> nine to five, basically just all meetings all day. Then you have the fires. So essentially like something broke or something went wrong and you got to figure out how to fix it. And then the last one is probably like more rare, but the most appreciated, which is like the focus days. So I think, yeah, each one is like very different in like what you do and the amount of stress that you have to deal with. Focus days are the ideal state where you can just kind of get some time to think. Yeah. But what's been your experience? I think that's the same that I would also say you have like those, as you said, packed with meetings, packed with fires or packed with actual work. But yeah, I mean, if I were to say an average day in the life of a PM, like how would you say that goes for you? I'd say like 9 a.m. meetings, 10 a.m. more meetings, 11 a.m. meetings, 12 lunch. No, no, someone booked a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. And then in that, you try to like during meetings, you're trying to like reply to emails, reply to yeah. chats, like do some of your actual work while also being on the meetings. And then normally around like four or five, like things kind of ramp down. Mm -hmm. And then you actually like reply to emails write the specs, write the requirements, write the one pages, yeah. write the communication. Yeah. They actually do the work that you were trying to do all day, but you couldn't get to because of meetings. Yeah. In terms of those meetings, like I'll give you an example. Again, I get this question a lot as well. So for me, when I think about like a day in the life or one of those typical meeting filled days, I think it's usually, I mean, again, the mornings are for me, I get my current job. I think it's more around like standups, you know, you're meeting with the engineering design people like early morning, having a daily check-in so like that's one usually a stand-up figuring out like what's happening where we're at with certain projects different milestones and then that's usually followed by like at least I try and get in some time with design on most of my days trying to like work through design comps or like have design reviews with the broader group or with just a designer and that's a meeting too but more of a working session kind of thing and then I think usually like maybe a couple of one or two meetings which are dedicated with engineering, like deep diving on a specific piece of a project, trying to like go in, understanding like how we can build something, how we want to like approach a particular solution. Maybe, of course, not defining solutions as a PM, but being part of those conversations to be able to understand like dependencies, any other stakeholders that might need to be involved. Then I think one of the other things that usually fall within the day of the life is like just jumping in, always having a quick look at the metrics that you're responsible for. So yeah, 
meetings with design engineering usually during the day, stand-ups, data check-ins. And I think the rest is mostly like, depending on where you are with different projects, just like a different stakeholder meeting, mostly like different type of stakeholder meetings throughout the day. I guess mine is like mostly probably reviews. Oh, interesting. And it's not so much like meeting with design or meeting with engineering or meeting with any one group. It's almost always just like these stakeholder reviews. Essentially, it's mostly just reviews of work. Oh, just kind of chiming in and making sure everything's on track. I think the ideal state is that you get to work with the team. You get to like check in, make sure they're doing work, go to start stand up. Yeah. But for me, it, I'm, it's very rare I can actually attend the team stand up just because of all the reviews. Yeah. So yeah, I think it depends on where you are. Cause like in previous roles, I would be like having like the engineering meetings in the morning, having the design reviews, working with stakeholders. It'd be a very similar kind of day. I think it kind of talks to like how different PM roles are. Yeah. Yeah. Like different companies. Like yeah. for me, it's almost all reviews at this point. Previous roles are very similar where you're working with those. So what, teams. what's usually like when you're having those reviews during your day, like is it usually just comp reviews, design reviews, or is it mostly like higher level project milestone reviews? So for us, we're like building a lot of pages right now, uh-huh. like a lot of web pages to sell a product. So it's almost always just reviewing those. And something like that for me, at least since December. Oh, interesting. Because we're constantly building new pages and they have to align with the metrics. So ensuring that they are going to convert well, that they are essentially optimized yeah, yeah, yeah. for conversion that kind of thing. So for me, it's like making sure that I'm in these one, two hour reviews and I'm able to chime in and make sure that everything aligns with the oh. top level strategy. So more maybe babysitting than anything else. It's less like design and, and working kind of like back and forth. Like less work sessions, more review sessions. Exactly, kind of exactly. Interesting, yeah. That's such a good point, right? It is so different. I think that speaks to just how different PM roles can be at different organizations. You're either part of like these huge reviews and versus being part of work sessions. Which connects to the second question that we get quite a lot is, you know, how do you choose a company to be a PM at? Yeah. And I think this is one of those things where you kind of get to decide is like what type of work environment or what type of work structure do you want to be part of? And I think that's one of the elements you want to think about, right? As being a PM. Absolutely. I enjoy those work sessions quite a lot. So when you say... Me too. (laughs) When you say like those longer reviews, I'm like... Yeah, I'm maybe okay not having a lot of those two-hour, three-hour review sessions. But yeah, so that's another question. Like, what do you think? Like, how do you choose a company to be a PM in? Yeah, I think like the day that you have is like is, is a really important factor because like that's where you're spending all of your time. So like, do you want to sit and be in reviews or do you want to actually be like working on like building something and like figuring out the specs and figuring out kind of like more of the fun stuff? Yeah. Is what I think is more of the fun stuff. So yeah, I think that's a good point. Is like as part of the interview process, probably ask like, what is your normal day? Because like, Every role I've had has been a very different day. Like I was working at a startup years ago and that startup essentially like my day would start at like 9 a.m. with like a client call. And then I would like basically have like nothing until the afternoon when like essentially the engineers roll in and there's a much like kind of later kind of culture. So I essentially have like three hours of like focus working time. And then essentially from like maybe 2 p.m. until like maybe 8 or 9, I'd be working with the engineers, with the designers especially because everyone was like, a lot of people were in China because it's a hardware company. And you're working with the engineers on the China team. So like every single role has very different kind of things that you get to do, people that you get to interact with, things that you get to learn. Early in your career, you want to focus on learning more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So to that question, like, you know, how do you choose a company as a PM? Like, I think the day is like one part of it, but I think there's many different uh, variables. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think learning is a big one for sure, right? It's you're choosing a company to be a PM at, you want to understand like how much you can learn, what you can learn, like, and it should align with stuff that you want to learn about as well. I think 
one of the other things when I think about how to choose a company as a PM is, I think the industry and space also matters. Of course, maybe there is a company where it's great to be a PM, but if you aren't really excited about the space or the industry, then I feel that you can suffer there as a PM because a lot of your work tends to be specialized within that domain and industry. And while your skills will take you far enough, if that's something that doesn't excite you, me personally, I think it'll make me suffer and not be a good PM because I can't think about like what I want to build next or how we should be building or, you know, like have those strategy conversations because that space just doesn't excite me. Like I have yeah. no knowledge about that. And so. You're also going to like start falling behind because you're not spending your free time kind of learning about it yeah. and getting yeah, excited yeah. about it. I think that's like a larger part of like if you're excited about a space, like it doesn't feel like work just to like read news or listen to podcasts yeah, yeah. about that area and to continue learning on the side. Yeah. So I think that would be one as well. You know, when I say how to choose a company as a PM, definitely the work style that we talked about, that's a good question to ask in your interviews is like, what is the work style? I remember in one of the interviews, I had a question which was like, hey, how often do you interact with other designers and engineers? And I actually got the answer was like, you most likely will never have to talk to a designer. And I was like, that is weird. Although I can imagine roles where that is something that is not that frequent. Like maybe you are part of a hardcore engineering platform team or like a tool team, which is not too heavy on design emphasis, which is fair. Like, And I've seen those roles and I know people who are really enjoying those roles because they really enjoy the technical solution part of it. Those are some of the questions you want to ask and help choose a, being a PM. And then even small things like, do you prefer B2C? Do you prefer B2B2C? You know, as you said, like, if you're at B2B2C, then one of the meetings or stakeholders you are involved with is the client or the yeah. businesses. Like, is that something you want to work with? Is that something you don't enjoy? Those are also kind of questions, right? And like the size of the company, like yeah. you're going to learn a ton of, at smaller companies, but you get paid less and like there's all, <laughs> all these other things you have to figure yeah, the, out. There's also the uh, the compensation part. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> like how much you get paid. No, uh, that, that's... But I think sometimes I th part of it, not always. Yeah, no, I think there's there's so many different variables and I think it really depends on like what you're interested in. Yeah. Like, what is the industry you're interested in? What is like the size? Like how much do you want to yeah. learn? And, and like, I think to your point, like, I mean, the conversation like there's maybe like three things and you can pick one. It's like, do you want time? Do you want money? Or do you want to learn stuff? Yeah. And I think like earlier in your career, you always want to lean on learning because the learning will then compound and then you'll be able to earn more if that's your goal or you'll have more time that's your goal. So yeah. I think there's maybe like a, a trifecta of those three things. You can pick two of them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, I think, life as well, right? You have time, money, or learning. Which two do you want to choose? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a fun way. So I think it all speaks to sometimes being aware of your internal cues and what really brings joy to you as a PM and then making sure you ask those questions in your interviews as well. Because it's very important choosing a company where you want to be a PM also. What else? The other third question, one of the most popular ones is, I mean, I've heard this again. I know these are all popular questions, but this one has, I've heard it being asked on other podcasts and other interviews is just, do I need technical skills as a PM? And I think when people say technical skills, one of them is like, do I need to know how to code? Yeah, that's like the number one, number yeah, one know, question. Right? Yeah. But there's also like, do I need to know how to design? Do I need hardcore skills like engineering or design to be a PM? Yeah. I think it's like one of those things where like it doesn't hurt. It's definitely helpful. And especially if you can lean on it, the team will trust you more. Yeah. I think if you're like an MBA, I think a lot of teams have trouble trusting an MBA because the, the MBA is like often like more detached from the product itself. Now, if you're an MBA with coding experience, with production coding experience or with a, uh, some type of technical skill that you can lean on, I think it helps. But I think 
there's like maybe two ways to approach it. It doesn't hurt. It's always good to learn it. There's no <laughs> downside. So, you know, if you have an opportunity, of course, yeah. of course, learn it. But if you don't, then like don't necessarily dictate. Because I think something that kind of grates the team or rubs the team the wrong way is often like when a PM will come in and say like, we have to do it this way. And the engineers will be like, no, or the designers will be like, no, like we can't because of this. I think a lot of times not having that kind of technical background makes it so it's harder to understand what decisions are the trade-offs yeah. earlier on. So yeah. you're almost floating like dumb ideas, not dumb ideas, but more naive ideas uh, to the team, whereas having more of a technical background can kind of help ground some of the thought process. Yeah. I do want to say that it's not at all a necessity. Yeah, I think it depends on like the level of technical. Like you don't need to know how to code. Yeah. But you have to know the trade-offs of like one route versus another. Maybe, yeah, that's and fair. that's not something that's technical. I, it's not something you need to know how to code. You just, yeah. It's something that you gain with more time in the, like working with engineers, working yeah. with and making products. Yeah. These are things that you can always read about and pick up mm-hmm. and understand. Yeah, it's not necessarily, as you said, right, I don't need to know how to write an API, but having a knowledge or a working knowledge or it's just a basic understanding of what an API is won't hurt. So I think it's not necessary to have actual coding skills or actual like pen to paper design skills, but just being aware of some of those trade-offs, aware of some technologies, how certain things work and same principles in design. I think those help. Um, Oh yeah, 100%. They do. And the good thing is that those skills can be picked up anytime, anywhere. In fact, on your way to your office, you can quickly pick up like what an API is or how does a blockchain work? Things like that. It's very easy to pick up those kind of topics. Uh, You have to understand like how it works, why you would use it. Like essentially then you can frame your thinking around that. You don't have to know like technically like how do you implement, yeah. how do you like fork Ethereum and make a new like blockchain? It doesn't, you don't have to know that. <laughs> yeah. But you have to know that like you can do that because that's helpful because then essentially you can kind of plot the requirements based yeah. off of these. And it sometimes just helps having conversations with engineering. Even if you don't know something, just being aware of it helps you ask the right questions with other stakeholders. So yeah, I think definitely not a hard skill that you need, but something that might help. Yeah. I think also like if you're not technical, trying don't act like you are. I think that's also something I see a lot is like where you're having a conversation with the engineer and a lot of it's going over your head and you're acting like you understood what they said <laughs> and they're pretty sure you don't know what they're saying, but you just kind of nod your head and then you're like you get back to your desk and you're like, no idea what we just agreed on. Yeah. Like that's often worse. It's better just to own up to it because the team often already knows. They already yeah, know yeah. Ask those questions. Yeah, so just no ask, one's judging. Yeah. Ask the dumb questions. It's better to like ask the dumb questions. And kind of lean into it, yeah. Rather than trying to act like you know something that you don't and know. There is no dumb question. Well, it's definitely dumb question. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, no, no. I think it's, no. it's better to like to own up to it than to like act like you understood what they're saying when you didn't, because then you're just gonna diverge and like you're gonna have agreed to something that you don't necessarily know what you agreed yeah. to. And I see like that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's as you said, right? It's always okay owning up, asking the questions, even to just align on the same page. Like I've had moments where I've asked my engineering team like you know when we've got into the weeds of something and there are questions which i'm not necessarily aware of or like some of the technical capabilities i've taken like 30 minutes in a day like i've asked them hey do you mind you know if we schedule some time one-on-one i would just love to learn a bit more they appreciate it they yeah yeah 100 it's important and i think it helps build that relationship helps build the trust and you often not they use the context of the product to explain some of those things which actually ends up going a really long way because then it opens up understanding of different areas within the product itself. So yeah, again, don't need hard technical skills. I think that's the takeaway, but basic knowledge, understanding is always helpful. I think 100%. So I guess another question is like, how do you deal with uh, meeting fatigue when you have 
essentially you have those those days your 9 a.m meeting your yeah, 10 a.m meeting. to <laughs> 10 a.m to all the yeah. way to 5 p.m that's a good question and i think that's one area of concern that comes up quite a lot with aspiring pms and just generally folks who are trying to like shift into pms is you're always in meetings all the time like how does anything any work get done like aren't you tired and I'm going to admit it there are days where I do come out of a day feeling very tired and fatigued from just having back to back meetings and you know it makes it hard for me to find time for some deep work in those days usually as you said right you go through that day and then you come back at the end of the day and you're like okay now I'm going to write some of those technical aspects or those PRDs and that can get tiring but there are ways to set those boundaries and be better at it I know we talked about this a while back over coffee is just how do we block time in our calendar for deep work and have that as a non-negotiable in your days like no I'm not going to attend a meeting at this time I need this time for me to actually do work which will make me more effective in next meetings so yeah I mean meeting fatigue is a thing and I know we all feel it yeah. day to day especially I think it's been exacerbated with the pandemic and yeah. work from home and everything so often people like will put like 30 minutes on your calendar just because they want to catch up it ends up being like something you probably could have answered in like five minutes but you, there's no five minute block on the calendar yeah so a lot of this is just like meeting etiquette and a lot of just trying to make sure that you can set clear ground rules for folks when they set time on your calendar depending on what your project is it's, it's just hard yeah. to get rid of the meetings yeah and i'm trying to get better at this as well is just blocking off time being open about the fact that hey i'm not going to be attending some of these meetings bringing up the risks from that being able to make like say why and then just saying like hey i'm going to be doing some work here and more often than not people actually respect that a lot of the times my own stories keep me from doing that when i'm like no but like what will they think or like what will the other stakeholders think when if i if i block off time what will my you know manager be thinking about this like if i'm saying i'm not attending a meeting but doing work on my own but everyone appreciates it everyone actually encourages that as well so finding blocks for deep work being okay with it and then communicating out with the team like hey i'm not going to be here for this 30 minute or the next one hour block and i'll come back to stuff after this i think that's honestly doable yeah the stories that you tell yourself yeah. like, i think most people probably won't notice yeah. and, and if they do they'll let you know they'll ping you they'll ask you to come to the meeting and that's how you know you should be there <laughs> yeah that's true you know when the fires happen that's a meeting that you don't want to be like guys someone else is <laughs> yeah. the fire i'm going to be <laughs> in my deep work block but i mean that's a good way just to decline everything if people like say can you please join then you're like yeah, you should probably go you can yeah. that one but that's probably not like 80% of all meetings yeah. default no yeah. and then only respond yes if someone's like where the f are you yep <laughs> that's not the way to go i think another one that i get mostly from aspiring pms and those who are trying to switch into product is what are some of the best ways to craft your resume for switching into product management or jumping into a pm role of course it's a deeper topic that i know we discussed that we want to get into in a deeper dive as well around this topic but it's a question that comes up quite a lot are there any tips or any small things that you think are important for like crafting a pm resume for aspiring pms yeah i feel like i say this all the time but side projects i think are the easiest way to kind of like craft the narrative but i think in just in general like making the argument like you've led teams like you've led products you've led initiatives i think that's typically the easiest way to put it in also making sure that metrics are there yeah i mean at the end of the day like a pm's whole job is just to push specific metrics and if you can demonstrate that you've done that in previous roles then i think that's probably the easier way to start the argument just to get the foot in the door i mean that's the whole point of the resume it's yeah. just to like get your foot in the door so that you can make your larger pitch when you get to the interview stage 
Yeah. And I think one thing that's very worth talking about is as a PM, you are doing so many different things, right? And so there are a lot of skills from other jobs that are transferable. And I think we sometimes limit our own thinking by saying, oh, I've been doing an XYZ, like a different role, and I have no skills that map to PM, which is not true. Like, I feel like every role out there has like a couple of skill sets that directly transfer into being a PM. I would highly encourage, you know, folks to like take a look at their current roles and responsibilities, look at what usually the job description is asking for from a PM perspective, what you know about a PM role and what they need, and then try and find those overlaps and really highlight those overlaps. And I think any position or any position you're at can really help. You can transfer some of those skills really strongly into PM. Like, heck, I was an engineer before becoming a PM and I switched industries, I switched roles. And a lot of the things that I was doing as an engineer in my later stage of my career at that point, I learned skills that directly transferred into being a PM. So I feel like it's definitely doable. There's just so much overlap for PMs and like all across different parts of the org. I think we all have those stories of like biz ops, biz strategy folks who are now PMs or designers who are PMs, engineers who are PMs, customer service who are now PMs. Like it can come from anywhere because I think to your point, like there's so much overlap with everything and there's so many different types of PMs. Right? There's a lot of PMs who are, or a lot of engineers who are making tools. And if they want to go on the other side and start dictating which kind of features and elements to do, like they're the most technical background yeah. to also have a ton of good insight into how to do that. So a lot of times, like we think like PMs are like MBAs or business people or like some type of traditional background, but there really is no traditional background. There is, yeah. Because for me, like I'm more on the design side. I have my own company. I like went pretty heavily on the design UI, UX, and got pretty good at that and got a pretty good intuition of how users interact with sites. Now I'm essentially a front-end PM because of that, more of that design-heavy background. But that's because I'm doing like more design-heavy stuff. If you're doing back-end heavy stuff, if you're doing any of this thing that needs a specific type of insight that your background provides, it's a really good kind of segue to be that kind of PM. Yeah. And I think when you're crafting your resume, those are the things you want to highlight. Like bring that story forward, bring those points forward, highlight that. Yes, you've done these kind of things that the team really needs from a PM, bring those up. Yeah. What else? Like, I think one last question that I've heard from a couple of folks is, what do PMs do in their free time? Well, you know what I do in my free time. Yeah. I <laughs> Can I answer that one for Alex? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, side projects. Yeah. Um, let me guess. No. Is that anything else besides side projects, Alex? What else do you do? I uh, know they're all consuming. So uh, <laughs> that's literally it. I mean, what, what do you do? Uh, I mean, what do I do? Besides when I'm not working on my product or I'm not being a PM at work I'm being I guess of being a PM at home just trying to like find ways to transfer those skills in my day-to-day at home but jokes aside I generally like reading up on a lot of the industry news that is happening in the space that I'm currently working in it's just like that's one of the things I look at for a role is like I want to work in a space that I enjoy so usually outside of my free time I end up consuming some of that content anyways I'm spending time there some side projects here and there, of course, not as much as you. Well, I think it's kind of similar, right? Like you're looking at industry news and like essentially understand more about that industry. Yeah. For me, like especially in e-commerce, essentially like the best way to learn is to be in business. Mm, and so like true. I have my own e-commerce stores. I can like run ads. I can yeah. essentially pull these levers. And it's really hard to pull in my day-to-day role. So like I can move a thousand times faster yeah. on my own. And so I can learn a thousand times faster and I can then put those back into my day-to-day role. Ah, so yeah. I think part of it's like if you're at a big company, especially you just can't 
get the reps in. So in order to stay current, you essentially have to like do something yeah. on the side. It depends on the industry. Some industries like health, it's kind of, you probably shouldn't be doing too much on the side <laughs> yeah. in that realm. But I think like any way to learn more outside that you can then kind of add to your role, I think is definitely helpful. Yeah. But I mean, just want to say like, I think weird specimens in this space yeah right? i definitely i don't, th- I definitely I don't think this is like regular free time stuff so yeah i think not sure if you should uh <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, take I, our take our side hobbies because yeah, ultimately, like, ultimately like in your free time you should do whatever like makes you, you happy yeah, yeah whatever exactly. whatever gives you joy and yeah for me unfortunately that turns out to be making more products yeah it's an addiction it's something i've always done even before i even knew yeah. what the product was but that's kind of unique yeah i mean same here like i really do enjoy reading i really do like just learning so even if it's not something about the industry i just generally enjoy learning so like continuing education throughout as you know trying to like pick up courses pick up stuff that i haven't done before but i mean i also do love really playing soccer so if i try and get that there you go. that's a normal can, that's a normal thing yeah no it's everything's so <laughs> everything's fine but like if i drink try and get like a soccer game and i love to try and find time to play soccer outside of work and then usually um trying to get more into like sports besides soccer so i really want to like learn basketball i feel like that's one sport where i feel really handicapped and really want to be able to like play a regular game <laughs> without looking like a total newbie but yeah that's some of the things and of course now that you've introduced me to this new app i want to start walking more oh yeah step in yeah yeah so yeah that's, that's one thing you do in your free time is you just find ways to walk more yeah mostly like listening to podcasts or that yeah. kind of thing so yeah i definitely i definitely tend to walk a lot I mostly to think about new product ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish one day when you're like, what do you do on the side is not a side project. No, no, no. I've like figured out like, the thing is like, I feel so uncomfortable if I sit down and watch it like Netflix, I just can't do it. Ah. Like if I watch a whole episode, like the whole time I'm thinking about like how much time I'm wasting. And so then I'm like, okay, like if I play video games and like watch like a, a listen to a podcast or like play video games and watch a course like something like that then i can justify it but if i'm just like watching netflix i just can't even get through an episode well we should talk about that offline outside of this episode i feel like there's a conversation there that we might want to get into uh, uh yeah maybe. productivity optimization <laughs> is a rabbit hole i've had moments or like times in my life where i've gone deep down into that space but um i feel like i'm not trying to like step back a little bit more from that and continuously optimizing yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, to each yeah. their own. Yeah, to each their That's fair. But, but yeah, I mean, so I think that's like what do PMs do in their free time, of course. Not everyone's doing the same thing that we are doing. But yeah, that's some of it about what we do in our free time, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, everyone's everyone's different. And... I also do like hikes, actually. I really enjoy hikes. Yeah. I know we've talked about doing ones, but we've never done them because I think yeah. you're usually busy inside projects. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, One day, we'll get to it. One day, we'll get to it, yeah. And then, I guess recording podcasts. Yeah. That's another one that we do. In our we, free time. we do. We've got uh, talking about product outside of our day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, we need to find more hobbies. But yeah, awesome. I think those were some of the key questions. And yeah, feel awesome. free to send more questions our way and we'll, we'll do another one of these episodes. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Talk to you soon.